Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Jake. I just wanted to give you an update about the Facebook Wall of Text t-shirt that was designed by Lermworm that we are taking pre-orders for on store.streetfightradio.com. The pre-orders will stop at the end of the month along with the discount. If you can't afford to pay for the full price of the shirt, then you can pay half and the Street Fight community will cover the rest. Also, if you would like to buy a shirt and pay half for someone else, you can do that as well. The design is also available on a hoodie as well. If this sounds like something you're interested in, then go to store.streetfightradio.com. Once again, store.streetfightradio.com. Peace. Oh yeah, no, because I called a couple of weeks ago, um, or I guess it was maybe a little man, it's been like a month ago, just yelling about doctors getting exploited. Uh-huh. Um, I, I didn't have a topic in particular calling in tonight. I was just calling. Well, I guess I could thank, thank y'all for just a killer show. Um, that tour was amazing. It was really fun to meet you guys. You went to number and two? I'm doubly, but yeah, yeah. I was. I showed you guys that band that did um the music. I met like you. I know. Flare footage. Do you want to yeah, hear? You want to hear a funny? Mouth. Yeah. You want to hear a funny story about that night? I don't think it's been out on the air yet. Go on. Uh, one of the Black Lips was there. My favorite band. Oh, okay. One of I them. I saw this cool. or heard this somewhere. Yeah, go one on. One of my favorite bands. Yeah, ever. mine too. Like, I love their music. It's incredible. It's like perfect up my alley type shit. Foundational of part of our, like, families. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he left early because he got offended because he only likes political comedy if both sides are represented. (laughs) (laughs) The Sams offended him. The Sams walked one of the black lips. Yeah, he couldn't couldn't handle it. He couldn't sit through it. You got to have both sides there. Otherwise, if you you don't hear both sides, then you have to make a choice. Dude, he made his choice. Uh, That hurts. Well, no, I actually, I went up to Sam night after, and I gave him major props for going for a hometown hero that night where he, he criticized him to John Lewis that in the past that was really fucked up. And it got a little gnarly in the audience for a second. It there. did. Like, yeah. Damn, he's going for it. But I really, I mean, but they, they, I mean, they're pros. They totally, like, navigated the, the, the moment, but it was major props to him. Um, oh, somebody got real was, mad oh, at oh, him. And, I'm fucking sure. Um, but it was, to- I mean, I thought it was totally fair. And I, and that's his style, you know, they really, they well, pushed. So I'm not, point being, I'm not surprised that's the segment they got, or that's the crew that um, pushed him out, you know? Yeah, I mean, the John Lewis stuff, I probably wouldn't have done. Oh, <laughs> I would have. I would well, have. I would have. I think balls, dude. Like, Isn't he balls, bad, though? Like, Isn't he, like, dude, here's the thing about, bad in he, no, he, no, 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 no. Even, like, the way his political career started, it was because of like he used a bunch of racist stuff against another black guy who was running and won that's white exactly voters. That is about. how that's exactly. how he got his. He is like the sellout guy. Like that's how he started getting yep. into politics. Yep. You, yeah, go ahead. I was just like being your hype man. Like yeah, and his. I mean, there's, you know, you look at his record and shit he says sometimes, and he clearly just, you know, 
he's just you know mainstream centrist dem at this point. Yeah, yeah when, you, when, you, I, when you, I went when I lived in D.C., there was a I can't, I I unfortunately don't even remember who it was. There was a young black man that got killed by the police, and there was like a protest, and we went down to the Capitol building, and he came out. And just like shook hands with people and told them like go home everything's okay we're gonna take care of it. he was like yeah. literally like capitulating people I, like I'm, thanks for coming all this yeah. way but we don't need you I'm sure there's something inside of him like that's activist is still inside sure. of him but you don't get to where he is and still be like a good activist like they, that's I mean it's it just yeah. you can't get that support that you need you can't get the money you need you can't get that profile that you need you don't get to be friends with the Clintons yeah. you know like it, it just does not happen if you maintain that radical spirit it yeah. just can't yeah absolutely yeah and and we talked about this yeah we talked about this on the show last week like well we were kind of dancing around the epstein thing and it was just like for me it's like god it must be crazy to get around those rich people you know what i mean yeah. like it must be fucking crazy to be a per like so john lewis is the guy that's like an activist that then gets like sort of brought in to an inner circle of a bunch of people with a bunch of fucking money that are un yeah untouchable. He gets to you know he doesn't have to really work hard to get reelected. Any of that stuff like he gets pulled in. Like God, I admire people who can resist that urge to be seduced by that because yeah. for me. I just think about like when I see somebody throwing money around, I'm like, I wish I was the fucking guy throwing money around. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Absolutely. And like that's once again, not, you know, like that. I mean, obviously there are different factors at play in that. Um, um, I will major props to Bernie, you know, and the fact that he's had to stay on the periphery for so long because he was out being active at the same time as John Lewis and look at their trajectory and how different they were. Now, there is obviously the major difference of the, the racial composition at play, but still it's like, so I'm pointing, I don't know how that affects one's decisions, navigating these, you know, high levels of power, blah, 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 blah. But that said, it's still all the more impressive that Bernie has stuck to his guns for this long, you know? Yeah. I kind of think, I, I also kind of think it has to do with your upbringing and I've never researched how, how Bernie was brought up, but, uh, I had a conversation with Leslie earlier today about uh, Billy Corgan, how I said, I don't know for sure if he's conservative. Like part of me thinks that he says things for shock value. He's kind of a carny guy and that he just knows that being conservative means more than <laughs> being liberal as a rock star. That, yeah. that is yeah. like what I think. And, and Leslie kind of brought up how like this is a guy yeah, right. who grew up working class, didn't really have anything. And so to him, like that American dream, b pulling yourself up by the bootstraps, it's actually true. He actually yeah. did that. And that's why now he leans towards the libertarian stuff. A lot of the rock stars from the area, like Josh Holm from Queens of the Stone Age, Maynard, um, these are people who maybe didn't, who actually did not grow up in privilege, like say a Taylor Swift or even like the Strokes, yeah. you know? So they get this mindset where it's like hey i have literally produced like a hundred million dollars but just because of me and my talent and now you're gonna fucking tax me yeah after the record company already took 75 80 90 percent of it fuck you no no yeah. i want to keep my shit yeah. i mean and, and like that's sort of a like one of those things where it's like uh i know that i know that's why a lot of the people 
that are a little more successful that I went to high school with and stuff are conservative because like you grow up and everything's like, I could, I'm probably not going to turn conservative now because I've, you know, kind of read the stuff and understand it a little more. I don't think it's possible that I turn conservative at this point, but like, if you put me in the, in, in a position five, uh, 10 years ago where I made a whole fucking bunch of money, I could see myself being like, I fucking did this. You know, I started with nothing. I was getting fucking payday advances and now I now I'm rich and you're trying to fucking come and take it from me. And I could see like I could see thinking that way. Yeah. And like being poor fucking sucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and like uh it, it it's even like a lot of the jobs, you know, when you when you romanticize the that working class thing like a lot of left people do, it's like, man. You know, I did a lot of these, jo- I, not a lot of them, but I did a lot of shitty jobs. I did a lot of service work. I did roofing. I, I mean, I did like everything. Yeah. And the one thing I wanted to not be was working class. <laughs> when yeah. I was doing it, it was yeah. like, I got to fucking get out of this. And, yeah. and everybody else that I worked with also was like, I have to fucking get out of this. Yeah. So you can see getting out of it and then almost putting on a costume. Yeah. yeah. You like, you can really, I, I understand it. Like, yeah. this is the game we we're playing. I won this shit. I mean, we yeah. were talking about it on the line. Like, what would you do if you had this amount of money? I made that shit happen, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. right. I mean, for me, I mean, I definitely have. If I wasn't doing specifically leftist bent stuff, like, at this point, I was like, well, I put in a lot of extra time and effort, way more than other people. So I deserve way more than <laughs> yeah. other people, you know? Right. But you can't hold people to those standards. Like, that's what it just drives you crazy if you expect people. Like, I can't expect people to be me or in how I get things done it's natural for me and other people you know right i got they, I mean, they have their own lives and their own way of doing things and I, I didn't really do anything better you know i just stayed focused you know right it's, it's the same thing millionaire with our, shit with, even with the show with the content wise was like you know I, of course i could be like well why didn't you fucking start a podcast and do what we're doing you know why couldn't you do it but it's like not everybody can. It's just not a thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> that works out for everybody. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is we need to. That's the problem is that like you do have that survivorship bias so that like everybody that made it through all of a sudden is like we're the elite club and they know the game they're playing. They accepted it, you know. They they get what they get, you know. Now, but it's like there there's no reason. There's no no. There's not. We do need people to do the other stuff, and they shouldn't be white knuckling their entire life you know (laughs) yeah like it's great that like i get to be on all of these internet platforms but i don't want the person that is giving internet to people to be like struggling doing payday advance loans and shit you know they don't deserve that you know No, absolutely not and maybe they will find you know i do they want to follow their own thing and make it work who knows i think we lost the uh doctor's husband yeah it dropped off. Yeah, it just, it's always like a weird, it, it is always such a like, it's a hard conversation to have because I don't, I do think that like when you, when you boil, when you just look at class, it, it is like a, a wide spectrum well, when like every identity, everything is like, if you start with nothing and you get more and more as it goes, you, that is going to like change like every next well, step up changes the one like it comes down to the clothes like we were talking about the designer clothes and stuff and 600 t-shirts and like working your way up to the point where you can do that and like being a milestone in your life where like <laughs> i can weigh 600 on a t-shirt you know like i did i made it this far you know that i can be this reckless with money yeah it's it's hard to fight that that urge 
Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I, 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 uh, it is, it is like a super weird, uh, it's, it's not, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's not weird. It's just, it's, just, it's, it's beneficial to the ruling class. It's beneficial yeah. to everybody at the top because as long as we feel like we're in a crab bucket at, and, and you know, once you get out, it's like, well, shit, I mean, I got it. I earned it. And this is all mine, you know, everything that was promised. You know, it, it always, like, it, I keep thinking about this movie. And it basically has everything politically that I believe in in it. And I talked with Brian about it, and it's Blade. Oh, yeah, I love that. One and, of my faves. Yeah, and what you were just talking about are uh, about, you know, I built my way up, I earned this, I barrel craft stuff. That's the guys who think they're going to become vampires someday. The humans that serve the vampires. Uh, right. And that's them. And, like, most of them don't make it, but they keep stringing them along, stringing them along, stringing them along. And they're essential to the vampires running everything because they can go out in the daylight and do shit right. with them. While the vampires just get to sit in their lap of luxury that they most of them did not earn uh whatsoever and then you do have like some of the lower class vampires some were born vampires some became vampires later and there's like a class analysis within the vampire so like i think blade is probably the best leftist movie ever because his solution is not you know to make peace with the vampires to negotiate with the vampires he just fucking says we have to kill all the vampires (laughs) i hate the vampires we're gonna they rule over us they don't deserve it we're just gonna kill them all yeah yeah, absolutely. I got the gig because I was 18 and, like, just got out of college or just got out of high school, right? Uh-huh. I didn't want to go to college. I was broke as shit. And I just saw And this is how long ago it was. I saw an ad in the paper that said make $1,400 a week. Okay. And I was just like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's like, great. Yeah, I'll make $1,400 a week. Yeah, it sounds outstanding. Gladly. Write your so, own like, paycheck. You know, I, yeah. Yeah, it was that type of shit. And I never seen anything like that before. I had no experience. So, like, I called the number in the newspaper and I go to this, like, this shit warehouse out in like the middle of nowhere and there's like a dirt bike that's taken apart inside and like these two shitty desks and like roughed up carpet and shit <laughs> and these two like <laughs> these two like dudes sitting at a desk who you'd be like these guys like they're the like slick yeah, yeah <laughs> like, they're always like sharks like that like yeah 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 like thin mustache like silk shirt type of guys um and I just like I apply for the job and they like interview me some bullshit questions, whatever, whatever. And then they give me they call me like twenty minutes after I leave and like, You get the job, show up tomorrow, like eight AM. So that's like that's how I got into it. So it's yeah, uh, so it's basically leave- some people import a whole bunch of cheap speakers and then they hire people to be their sales staff, but they so they yeah. have like zero brick and mortar stores. They just rely on you hara- like driving around and harassing people to buy speakers. Yeah, it's a storage unit. They set up a they set up a desk in a storage unit. Yeah, and they're just like yeah, this is our warehouse in our location. But you're and so you're like not like their pack forms. So you're actually selling just like like knockoffs, cheap speakers that aren't name brand, but you know for an incredible price. Right. Yeah. It, I mean, like the speakers, they work. It's not like you get like a box full of sure. cinder blocks. Or okay. Like, that. like yeah. they did like work. Well, people but, like, do that like, though. Like, people magazine. I'm sorry. People like do a fake sell magazine them. with like no speakers in it. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. People do sell them. People sell it's like great, but it's like 
but you were just yeah i i get it now it's basically it's like it's like basically you were doing an amazon ad live in person where like it just shows up in front of you it's like hey we've got these huge speakers you could put in your living room they're 69.48 right now and you're like fuck i think i would buy those <laughs> you know like if yeah. you showed me a gigantic yeah. pair of speakers and they were less than $100 and you let me listen to some rap music on them like i'd probably fucking buy them in that parking lot i mean i always brought them out of the car in the box for me too yeah, like I mean, it had a great picture on the box of like what it looks like in your living room with the sound bar and the two things up along the side and like it's surround sound and and uh I almost bought them one time. I kind of wish I had now that you're saying that they actually work cuz I just kind of was like uh, it's probably like a box of sand or something like that. And I didn't want to get ripped <laughs> off. But because I have talked to people who have went and bought things on Craigslist and not looked at them and then came out on the other end and they just like got a brick in a box or something like that. And uh, I I would recommend checking. Oh, man. All them, all back in the day, all them PS2s got sold on eBay that were just a box. Yeah. It's $450 box. Yeah. It's genius. So, uh, so. Yeah. How did they put – did you have a team? Did you have a cool team of, of dudes to go out and ride around and do this with? Uh, they were – no, it was all very sketchy. Like, everybody who worked there had been – who had been there for a long time were very sketchy, and they kind of put me on edge. Um, <laughs> it was a crim- really, It was like, like just a criminal organization. It was like joining a gang. <laughs> yeah, but it was like the payoff wasn't good. Like, I'm down to, like, do whatever, but, like, I'm not getting – paid like, like you only get paid if you sell something yeah and while i'm training they were like we'll give you 40 dollars a day and they expect the guy who's training me to give me 40 dollars oh and at shit. the end of the day on the first day it was good at the end of the day on the first day we didn't sell anything so we come back and they're like all right we'll pay him out and the guy's like i don't have a fucking dime <laughs> so the boss reaches into his pocket and like gives him like the eye why he's like dawn out like 220 <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> and they expect you to show up the next day for work. <laughs> I know. How yeah. many hours were you working? How many hours were you working a day? It was like, it was like sixteen hours. It was ridiculous. It was <laughs> yeah, like, that's exactly. So desperate to sell speakers that he just wouldn't stop. It was like, I was like <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> the sleazy job that I talk about—the one that's selling the coupons. It was the exact same way. There was a guy that I knew from another job. And he was just like, yeah, man, it's right. It really is write your own paycheck. Some days, like I've sold so much shit. I've made X amount of dollars in a day. And then I figure out that he's there six days a week and it's like 14 hours a day. And then I'm figuring out how much money can be made, like even at the top level. And I'm like, this is chump change. Why is everybody doing this? I don't understand why the fuck everybody is here doing this right now. I know if if he would have said, because that's what I always think when I think of like a Lonnie type, you know? like the archetype is that he would do it because it's only four hours and he comes home with a paycheck yeah i mean if you could make a hundred dollars in four hours or something like that would be fucking incredible but it's not that it it is chasing people down all day long and just trying to to force a sale to happen just really and i mean you have to be an asshole you have to sometimes just go over the boundaries and you do bully people. Oh, I, I, I hate, I did sales for a brief period of time and I hated it. I, I've came away from it. Like if you don't do, if you do something that has to be sold to people, maybe it's not worth it. You know, like it should <laughs> just be intrinsically something that people decide they want to purchase. Like it shouldn't require you like going down there and being like, no, no, this is a Sunni. It's just like it. They make it in the same factories. Now I just need a check or a money order or just cash anything right now from you at this gas station. 
auction so that I can get $8 <laughs> from this fucking sale. It's such a dumbass scam. Yeah. It, it, here's the thing about it, about why it's a dumb scam. Everybody hates having somebody walk up to them. Like, nobody likes to have guys jump out of a box truck and start walking towards you. Like, as you're walking towards me, I'm thinking, like, what is, oh, God, here we go, fucking something. It's yeah. This could be anything. And you can feel it, too. Like, you'll feel it before they get there that, like, I got zoned in on. Like, I got to figure a way to get out of this. Yeah. <laughs> this guy makes it all the way over to my, like, my, my vicinity. But that's what we would do because we would just, we would cruise around parking lots all over like the like Philly to Baltimore and then like oh, all around wherever we could go. And we would look for people, like you said, like sitting in your work truck eating lunch and we'd be like, that guy looks broke, I'll probably buy some shit. And we <laughs> That sounds like that's because, perfect. Like, that is great, dude, because yeah, when you're broke, yeah. nothing makes you feel better than just buying some shit. Like you're like, you know what? I got enough yeah. in the bank account to buy a nice set of speakers for my family. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm gonna do today. My wife's gonna be yeah. so impressed. You're looking in the paper. You're looking in the paper at the speakers at Best Buy, and you're like, ah, maybe one day. And then, like, I pull up to you in a parking lot, like, I got that same shit for like bucks. Yeah, I can get you set up, man. I mean, this your Call of Duty is gonna sound so fucking loud. You're gonna get the neighbors called on you. Yeah, that is too. This guy would like throw speakers into people's cars. They'd be like, no, I don't want them. He's like, no, you do here, and like, I'll put them in your car for you, and like, like, like shoving them into their hands. Situation, man. It was that that is bull. I mean, that is like a racketeering, maybe. I mean, maybe you were involved a little bit. Is that some sort of that's a mob crime? No, to be like, I'm sorry, pal. I mean, the, the deal's actually <laughs> been done. I mean, re- regardless of what you say, uh, everything's been signed on the dotted line. We have your information. You're taking these things. No, I, I mean, yeah. like, I have been in that, like, I, I have been in the situation where they won't leave me the fuck, where they won't stop. You know, where the where the guy is like really pushy and I've rolled the windows up and just drove away from him because he didn't seem like he was going to stop. <laughs> yeah. Like there is something really about Some people will people will just stand like you when you let someone reach into your pocket, take your money. Someone at the gas station is going to stand there while <laughs> this, someone takes their debit card out of their wallet and runs their fucking card <laughs> and puts the speakers in their car and then puts it all back and drives away. <laughs> yeah, because it's really they fucking... just freeze. People just freeze. <laughs> freeze <laughs> because it's fucking weird man because like what are you supposed to, like what are you supposed to say when they like are just like shoving the box in your hand well, when i remember doing sales it is like you can use people's politeness against them because they would be like i am absolutely astonished with your business practice good day and I'm like well i'm not finished with this conversation and they'd be like well what else do you have to say <laughs> it's like why didn't you hang up why the fuck didn't you hang up on me what the fuck well, that was the shady thing. The shady thing that I did. I did that shady uh, uh, gas company thing, right? Where you go to the people's doors for the gas. You say like, "Hey, you know, you want to switch your gas service?" Which like nobody wants to fucking do because they don't care. They know they're not going to get a deal. You know that if you switch your gas service, you might save eleven dollars, but you switch <laughs> yes. your gas service and you can't do anything. Yeah, your check's gonna bounce. The auto pay is gonna go to the wrong fucking place. <laughs> right, and nobody wants to fucking do it. And you would get, we would get to the door, and like this dude that I was with. It's funny, he was in a rock band in my high school, so I thought he was like the coolest guy in the fucking world, right? And he would stick his feet in the goddamn door when the, they would open it. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he would start talking about it and like you know how people are where they're like i'm not interested i'm not interested yeah. i'm not and they start repeating it he would just fucking turn around and just be like well i guess you don't like saving, saving money, money then, then. And, and would just, just walk, walk away, away. And, and it, it was, was so, so fucking uncomfortable, uncomfortable. And, and he seemed so, so mad that they, they didn't buy it. it. Yeah, it's like it chased me away from sales for the rest of my life. Like, because I admire people who, like, I admire Lonnie here on the phone. I admire you because you did it. You actually went and you did sales, and you have the you can talk about it with some kind of authority. I chickened out. I never did sales. And I couldn't do it. And I'm not the type of person that is able to do it. You know, like I don't have it in me. So I salute you there. I can't believe I, I, I can't believe now I know that like everybody was just looking at like those guys were just looking at me and saying like this motherfucker looks broke as hell. He's in his work. <laughs> that's, that's the exact thing. That's exactly. And we would like every time we saw a cop. We would just like get the fuck out of there for whatever reason. I yeah. found out why. But he was, he was just like, we got to go. Oh, no. Like, probably because we're pushing people around and like getting to buy speakers and shit. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, like, I mean, someone might, if someone yeah. saw a police officer, they might ask for help from the person that is like right. forcing them to make a purchase. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dying. Like, if you're like rolling up the windows, this got to go away. Don't feel bad because he's like, that's what he's pushing towards. Like yeah, I mean, not gonna stop him to that. He doesn't feel bad about it. Like he's just like, oh, well, you do the best you can, and that's it. You wrap it up. So, like, yeah, if that's what you gotta do, you're not hurting anyone's feelings. Just drive away, ignore them. You don't, you don't owe anybody your time. Get uh, the fuck out of there. No, thank you, thank you for calling. You in. got a five. Throw them over one. Yeah, I we got, got a, another one for you, real quick. We're gonna cut this yeah, out. Just, this is gonna be like seconds. one of our Street Fight 101 sections. <laughs> what's up, Jordan? Hi, uh, what's going on tonight? Yeah, uh, not much. Um, I'm super psyched that I uh, called into the show with you guys from Struggle Session. I'm a huge fan of you guys, too. Oh, thank oh, you thank so you. much. I, lo I love uh, especially Jack's line in, in the show Cuplicated, huh. where you're like, we're talking about orange man small hands here. Sure, sure. <laughs> thank you. That's, yeah, the very extended poker right? scene where it's all Trump riffs and everything. <laughs> if you haven't seen Cuplicated, go to viewboo.com. And that comes from personal pain because that is what you would be I doing had, right now I had to do that for, for a very six long time. figures. You'd be making six figures doing those kind of jokes forever. That's true. You can. I, I could have done that. I could have been... And, you know, sometimes you think, you know, the six figures would have been nice. But uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, it does suck. It does suck to do those kind it's of jokes. It's not worth it. You yeah, trade in really so it really much. Isn't. Yeah. It really is. The part, that's what separates us because even talking to, like, uh, Sam Sachs when we were doing the Hellfire tour, he was he had a job before where he made, like, almost six figures. Yeah. And it was, like, DC, Socialite, all of it. And it was like, this. I'm not it's doing not, anything I want. Like, not, I don't feel fulfilled. It's not, you know, I'm not a part of it. I'd rather just get by and, and do something that is feels right to me. Yeah, you know? I mean, it is trite. But and it like sometimes like takes getting there, but you're like, wow, like money really isn't everything. <laughs> like, I, no, like, I, actually, I got there and I was like, wow, holy shit, it turns out that that is correct. Well, and, a big, <laughs> and a big part about living in DC was like living on less and being like, wait, I, I don't mind peanut butter and jelly for dinner, right? Oh, you know, once every couple weeks, it makes yeah. sense, it works, and it's affordable, and there's like, if I can live on less, I can beat this system that always requires right. us to have more, especially with like, you know with having a kid and wanting to like achieve and you're supposed to have like all of these 
signals that you're right. on the path. And it's like, well, if I avoid all of that, there's no headache involved with, with chasing a BMW payment. I don't want to chase a lease on a BMW fucking ever. I was like, I listened to you on Champagne Sharks. Yeah, okay. And uh, I was very like, uh, when you talked about, you know, I, I wasn't making much money. And then I started actually making money. And I got to this point where I'm like, I'm making more money than I ever thought I would make, but there is like nothing else for like every, I, you said there's other like, people. There's almost like no future in it. Kind of yeah. like you're making all this money and you look down the path of like, I'm going to buy this house and everything. But like it, I, I don't know. There is something that like, uh, uh, it's tough to even like put a finger on, but yeah, it's like, uh, um, I don't know if you're not making stuff that is it, exciting to you. And if you're the other thing about them making that you, kind of money is they know how much money you're making and they'll like, squeeze every bit of you for it when you i mean and and like you're a useful person like brian i've always said that my skills in marketing or viral content or whatever it is would be very valuable to like a company on any of the coasts or whatever and so you can slot your way in and just be a smart guy that has the right answers and that can deliver the thing and they'll give you enough money that you're like why would i complain about this i I, it feels ridiculous (laughs) to complain about this existence you know you know also for me like we went through like the 20 the trump election and like and i i quit the job before trump was elected but even just doing the year of the election and doing all trump jokes for the entire year i was like I cannot right. do this anymore. <laughs> Not my I life. I cannot do this. How did I get I here? I can't make this like my whole all day, every day doing this shit. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, you even like just even the freedom to be able to talk about whatever you want. That is something like that is thing. like so huge. Like there was something early on at the Kimmel show. And it's like not the biggest thing for me to talk shit about whatever I want to. But I wrote some joke. Okay. It was uh it was the day that uh um that I think that, you know, uh, uh that gay marriage became legal like nationwide and there were, so there were a lot of posts from everybody being like deservedly, you know, this is such a good day for everyone, what good news and everything. And then also on that day there was a news story that um Jimmy Fallon like cut his hand open on glass or something. <laughs> and I did a post on Facebook, I was like, This is such a wonderful day, like it's such a good day for everyone and I linked the story with uh Fallon getting his hand cut open and the fucking producer of the Kimmel show sent me an email being like you can't post this stuff it was on uh, facebook it wasn't even on twitter yeah, like me. i was and like that was a very small early on thing where i was like i just am not my own man like yeah. you do trade in a lot you're you're trading in a lot for the money for sure anyway thank you for saying that nice thing about complicated <laughs> yeah yeah you're very welcome uh yeah no i love what you guys do i mean i just wanted to say like with comedy especially like i feel like comedy has made huge leaps with as far as like integrating politics into it in a in like a smooth way like it's like you don't you guys don't even have to be inherently political with what you're talking about but i feel like it's just like i enjoy the media that i'm consuming more so than like than stuff that i look back on as just like either void of politics or just like kind of cringy politics yeah there's a lot of cringy politics out there for sure (laughs) brett said one time to me like when when we were kind of adjusting the material of the show after like when we decided to make it our thing it was like okay we can't do what chapo's doing we can't do what the district sentinel radio guys what can we do that they don't do and he said to me really early because i was like worried about getting away from politics like i was like should we get away from politics like horse race stuff yeah and he said, when you, he, he was basically like, everything we do drips with politics. You yeah. don't have to talk about the normal stuff because all you have to do is like, you're just, 
you have an overriding we have like a, a philosophy right over our show that makes it so it's political when it's not it's it's it tries to be political when it's not being I mean, political a lot of this stuff like you know frankly like comes from ideology you know what yeah. i mean well, versus and- like a lot of what you see on television is kind of like I don't know. I did it. It's like there are certain joke formats that work for each of the sort of political characters, and that's kind of how they do it, versus this where it's like this is just what you actually believe and what is your ideology, and so it kind of just is part of whenever you're talking about anything else. I think that what it comes to is that you actually have belief on like a lot of what you see on television. That's what makes a difference, too, and that's what makes it like when you all talk about like pop culture stuff, it hits in a way that comes from a place where like Brian and I acknowledge that people – watch zero dark 30 and that is the history of the bin laden assassination to them that is the story <laughs> of it so we like have to dive into that stuff and also accept it and then figure out how to un- like what I'll is tangled yeah, up yeah. in all of that how is that informing everything else that's around us why that's why these people that i'm around are frustrating me is because they are <laughs> listening they are also you know just uh, drenched in that culture, you know, yeah. right? Of well, the yeah, media I mean, stuff. We talked about Twenty Four, the TV yeah. show Twenty Four, yeah. where it has warped yeah. people's brains yeah. to think that that's the situation yeah. that we're in all <laughs> the time. <laughs> yeah, I think the season of Twenty Four is the most fucked up. Is when it starts on like a sort an Arab family like in Valencia, and for the first <laughs> three episodes, it's like what a normal family, and then they just are terrorists. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, the kid yeah. is the kid. Yeah, the is. kid is secretly a terrorist, and he's a terrorist because his best friend, who's white, mispronounces his name <laughs> that, all the oh, time. That. It's okay, not Ahmed; that. it's Ahmed. <laughs> yeah, and then that's like that for me. It's like uh, even realizing that, even realizing when you talk to people that aren't like kind of in our circle and stuff that like their politics are kind of formed by Jimmy Kimmel. I I had this conversation recently about Joe Biden. I think part of the reason he's the front runner is because of the image of him that the onion created. I think they say that too. The guy guy, guy who created that image for him, like wrote an op-ed recently being like, I fucked up in doing that. And like, this does not represent who Joe Biden is. And and the thing is that changed how we talked about how liberals at least, Talk, have talked about politicians since. Yeah. Because they do the same shit with Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren, where and even Hillary Clinton too, where it's like they're not just these these, you know, boring old people. They're like cool and hip and like all the gifts of black women you use. Right. That's how they are so totally are and all this shit. And like, Nancy Pelosi's being sarcastic. Oh, Nancy Pelosi, yeah. <laughs> all that shit. Like that really fucked up like Obama being cool. And allowing that cool to trickle down to fucking square ass, cop ass, bitch ass Joe Biden fucked us over immensely. Yeah, yeah. That's another part. I mean, that is the other thing you have to tap into is how much that culture has informed what we do. And like people that just accept that is like, that's the candidate is whichever one is the coolest, right? (laughs) Whichever one we decide is the coolest is the most like Harry Potter. Yeah. All right. And let's, to be frank, like honestly, the people you know that do this entertainment, and I know you want to move on, do hang out with these politicians. You like yeah. mentioned Jimmy Kimmel, like informing people's politics. He like has dinner with Joe Biden. He like told us all he went to dinner with Joe Biden, and that like made me feel weird. <laughs> and it made him excited. It's I'm exciting sure. for him and his wife, yeah. and they come in and they're like, "How exciting! We went to dinner with Joe Biden," and I'm like. I think that's strange that he wanted to go to dinner with you, <laughs> to be honest yeah. with you. It was like, I remember 
when uh, Parks and Re- I used to watch Parks yes, and Rec with my that. wife. She was a big fan of Parks and Recreation, right? And there was one night, and it wasn't Joe Biden, actually. It was Newt Gingrich. That <laughs> oh, was, my When they God. showed Newt Gingrich on there, and they were like, That's this is so just a cute guy. Like, Newt Gingrich yeah. doing a cute little bit yeah. at a table with Leslie I like Nope. That. I was like, I can't. I'm not going to watch this anymore. Yeah, most infamous Newt Gingrich is, like, for hating, like, women more than anyone yeah. in the 90s. Like, he just yeah. hated women. Yeah. So I'm sorry, caller. Did you have something you wanted to get in here before we walk all over you? No, I mean I'm satisfied with that that conversation. That was awesome. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thank we appreciate so it. Talking to you. Do you got a Twitter or a small business you're trying to get started? A small business. <laughs> yeah, I do actually. Everybody uh, does. Follow me on Instagram. Uh, at at Wonderbooks and at Wonderwares. That's my shit. Oh, I have. One. Oh yeah, I got one. Yeah, for one writing them. comedy sets. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, so that's my thing. All yeah, right. cool yeah, shit. I love that. Go get it. They're good. Thank you. All right, let's see who our next caller is and what they got to say. Thanks for calling the Street Fight Struggle Sesh. Who are we talking to tonight? Hey, Brad. Hey, Brian. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, it's Haley from uh, New Jersey. Howdy. What's up, Haley? How's it going tonight? Good. Uh, first oh, wait, off, our admin? Thank you both. Yeah, that'd be me. Yeah, this is the model. If you go to store.streetfightradio.com, our wonderful first pick that shows up on Google and Facebook ads, <laughs> Haley, is the model for the uh, guys, gals, it's and non-binary true. pals tee. And it's like my favorite shirt that I own now. It's like stupid soft. I it's can't so even soft. It's such a good shirt, it. and like the printing is electric. It's a great shirt. Yeah, uh, I'm debating on whether or not because I got a new tattoo, and I really want to wear that shirt like as much as I can. And it gets really hot right now, even in like late August up here. Um, I'm debating on whether or not I want to cut the sleeves and turn it into some kind of like muscle tank, and just really go full butch with it. But uh, <laughs> I've recently I discovered to, sleeveless shirts. That's fun. I'm a sleeveless shirts guy. Oh, wow. I am. I'm not, I'm not I, brave enough. I, I, really I just got that brave this year. I have rep. I see Connor Connor Golden is always wearing the sleeveless shirts. And he's I'm like, young. I can't he's like do it. 19. I know. I'm, I can't get away with it. I, I've been, I have been pumping iron. I can't be reckless enough to cut the shirt off. What oh, I do oh, is I get a seam ripper and I detach the sleeve oh, really from the inside the wow. so that there's no like fraying or loose ends. Or do anything you ever like reconnect that. them? No, no, no. Once they're gone, they're gone. <laughs> I yeah. cut the le- I cut the sleeves off of a come and go shirt that I got when I was Smart. on tour because it's like who cares? I didn't wear it ever anyway, and it was just a joke. And uh, then I cut the sleeves off of another shirt that I had with a cowboy on it, which I figured like a cowboy that's very powerful. <laughs> sure. And then uh, Brett was Brett ordered shirts and asked me if I wanted one, and I was like. Get me the tank top. Wow. Now here's the issue. I don't want to wear it. Like every, I've worn it once. Yeah, you look like a big ass Billy, don't you? I, uh, yeah. I think if I, I look, yes, it's extremely Ohio. <laughs> like all I need is a Mountain Dew in my hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. While I'm out walking and be yelling at something. Yeah, like my wife on the street. Yeah, I just, it really, really sells the Ohio-ness of me when I wear that shirt, you know? But it's comfy. It is. It's it's, it has an anti-war message on it, too. It does. It does. It does. It's Death a cool tr- shirt. Check I out got the-, the t-shirt, though, because like you said, I still have... I know that like people that listen to the show are like, Brian's a fucking hillbilly, or Brian's a redneck guy. You know what I mean? Oh, he's proud of <laughs> being like this redneck idiot. And it's like, but... 
I am still running away from being a redneck idiot. You're not sure. You're not. You're not shirt off all the time. Coastal elites, you know. But little do they know. Still trying to run away from it while still like sort of being like, okay, I embrace it. I embrace who I was and who I am. But still, I don't want people to like immediately look at me and be like, I gotta cross the street, sort of situation. You don't have any tattoos. You don't have any like green tattoos to show off either. I don't have any tattoos. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, you're good. Um, no, uh, the other reason I wanted to talk to you was, um, so it's my birthday a couple of days ago. Um, Happy B-Day. It's the day David, David Koch died. Whoa, oh, um, what a gift. What a gift, yeah. yes. Great birthday present, yeah. Uh, no, so I turned 25, but it's been, it's been a pretty good week after a couple of really bad ones. Um, so my hours are actually back up at work, and... Um, I went from getting out-of-state tuition to in-state tuition at my grad school, so now I'm getting more money back. Great. Um, love money. So I can afford rent and food and stuff. Oh, I love uh, it. And on wow. top of all the, that... The nice shit, uh, that bougie <laughs> shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and on top of all that, I actually uh, just got published in a book. Uh, cool. The was signed and my chapter's been approved, so... Yeah, um, book called, uh, it's an academic textbook, so forgive the name. Um, but uh, it's called Denial, the Final Stage of Genocide, and we're talking about um, different subject matters within the field of genocide studies. Um, yeah, we did. submitted a paper. Anything about on, white genocide. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, everybody, also, every, sounds, everybody asked this question. <laughs> it sounds like a good sci-fi trilogy like, as well. <laughs> um. No, it's it's funny. Uh, it's funny that you said anything about white genocide. I can conclusively tell you that as a genocide scholar, it does not exist. Oh, that's wow! Wow, did the uh, work. I've been hearing from like some other people. That, <laughs> yeah, some of my face line. Um, I'm gonna send you some YouTube videos. Yeah, I think I think maybe you're in a liberal bubble. <laughs> I, I, I met a couple people. Yeah. I met a couple people that have Trump six. They're on a Facebook group. <laughs> Somebody told me uh, Josh Barnett, a fighter. Yeah, yeah. He used to be a pro wrestler. Rails against critical theory every day. And I'm like, do you think he has ever read like one word of critical theory he's, in his entire he's life. a big warhammer 40k guy like that's what he does he he's read he, like one person called warhammer 40k fascist and that like turned him off critical gender theory or whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah see it's funny like i'm i'm like at the and i'm at like the front of the field because i'm the only one in the history of the field of genocide studies which has been around since like the early 80s um, to do anything on, like, trans people, um, mainly because I'm trans myself, but also, you know, cis people, which dominate most everything, don't <laughs> tend to write about us. Um, and when they do, it's really uh, um, objectifying and almost like we're objects of, like, study and not, like, actual people with, like, lived experiences. Um, you know, so that's been a kind of a terrible thing to have to deal with. But... Um, so I initially was getting some pushback there, but um, uh, the president of my field uh, society, that's the International Association of Genocide Scholars, um, has read my work and um, he called it the most important contribution in, in 20 years. So that was 
Uh, yeah, congratulations. That's why we need a soundboard with applause. Like a <laughs> I mean, I have my own podcast. I have like my own really great podcast. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Brian's feeling threatened right now. Brian's feeling a little bit threatened right now. <laughs> I'll say this. I'll say this. Um, I'd rather have the podcast. Because <laughs> uh, they don't pay me for this paper. And I don't use an academic publishing. You don't get any royalties or anything like that. So... You can't you sell know, shirts? It's not like I can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get a teespring. Get a teespring or something. You can sell genocide shirts. <laughs> that's great. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, to close it off, I think the last thing is just like uh, the worst part about the field that I study, though, is that I can't talk about it with anybody. Like, I'm in, the, I'm in a bunch of different groups, but I hang around mostly um, – with the um, moderators of the Facebook group, you know, that we're all in, and then also, like, uh, the Chapo folks. Um, and uh, every time I try to talk about genocide, somebody's always like, oh, boy, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, dog, y'all can sit here and have a conversation about whatever, like, Overwatch character you're talking about, but God forbid I get really serious <laughs> and talk about something that interests me, you know? Man, yeah. like... Damn. No, that's, that's bullshit. Like the worst possible topic. No, if you ante up, if you ante up, it's on them to like listen. It's on them to like be for it. Like fuck that. Right? Don't be weak. Right? <laughs> Deal with genocide. Deal okay? with genocide. You, you fucking you hear? Sit you know, and listen. I think you can sell it. Sell it as like true crime, <laughs> okay. just true. on like a massive scale. Like yo, 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 you like that uh, fucking uh, Tick and Ziski shit? <laughs> well, what if it was like a whole country doing it? Wow. Like like a hundred thousand Ted Bundy. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna work. We're gonna put you in the street cr- street fight creative workshop group so we can get this yeah. thing rolling for you. Yeah, we'll get this thing into podcast shape. Anyway. I, yeah, I'll I want. That I want this. Oh God, a podcast called Genocide <laughs> that is just like the time, like somebody oh. that would sit down at work and be like, oh yeah, just listen yeah. to. I just marathon binge. <laughs> yeah, nine episode of Genocide. Because <laughs> <laughs> I hear what well, people listen to. Like, there are a lot of people that listen to a lot of those history podcasts. And, like, I hear about it, and I'm like, how do you, like, even handle that? (laughs) Like, I need to laugh or something. I Yeah. Too crazy for hardcore history. Oh, yeah. yeah, I know. I like, I like hardcore history. history. Really? Hardcore history does, whenever he talks, if I haven't heard it. But anytime somebody talks about war on a podcast, I'm like, those are real people that died. And then I get depressed. Yeah. And then I can't listen to it. It's like you're you're like a history guy. There's a little bit of like a little like he like he likes it a little too much. Well, yeah, no, you're in you're in the middle of no, you're in you're at like some sort of summer party, and a person is like, well, actually, a couple hundred thousand people had to die from the bomb because millions others would have died. And there's like, why are you bargaining lives? Like, why are you thinking about bargaining the lives of other people while you're working what the hardcore history guy does yep. he'll actually get the journals of like the people who are in like the uh, fucking bunkers at world war one where they stacked the bodies up when they ran out of sandbags and they would shake the hand of the dead guys that were sticking out yeah and there were so many flies oh, yeah. that looked like a blanket yeah that's the sort of thing he would get into so i'm not sh- so i think it's maybe no, hard, hardcore genocide may be able to work. I, yeah. I agree. Wow. I agree. Wow. That's, yeah. Yeah. Well, he, I, at least, at least in my, in this hypothetical podcast, I won't claim to like, 
be telling history or talking about an event in a nonpartisan way. Like that's the biggest problem I have with that podcast. Yeah. That, mm. um, he's a libertarian. Um, right. And uh, he likes to pretend that he's not talking about history in a way that's political. But here's the thing, like, not to sound like too much of an academic, but you can't do that. Like, right. it's impossible. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, open up uh, our minds. The way, he tries to, <laughs> the way he tries to, like, play both sides of the equation. Um, I will say the one thing he actually is good at is, like, not, well, I mean, relatively anyway, um, on the war on the Eastern Front, uh, thing that he did when they were talking about like the the Germans invading the Soviet Union during World War II, uh, he was a little bit like these poor Nazis were just surrounded. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't very fair to the Nazis. People, but but see, it's weird because he'll he'll talk like that, and then it's like it's a side podcast, like his hardcore history addendum thing that somebody pointed out to me because I didn't even know this existed up until like three months ago. Um, he like uh, just unequivocally like shut down somebody's question about the Nazis being left wing. So he's this weird kind of guy. Like on yeah. the main podcast, he'll be a little less gung ho about you know both sizing or not. I mean about being you know dismantling any sort of argument that's pro Nazi. But on the podcast, the side thing that like literally nobody listens to. Unless you just got somebody with absolutely no time on your hand, with amount of time on your hands, excuse you me. Um, you know, uh, then he'll say it, but it's only been one time, and I know he's talked about the Nazis another time. And it's really weird. He's a really weird guy. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but a five hour podcast episode is a little ridiculous, so I put that too much Come on. I do have to agree with that. You know? Shout out to Dan Carlin. Split those episodes up. Split them up. Split them up, Dan. We can do Split five tonight, up. maybe. Well, thanks for calling in. We appreciate it. No problem. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Brian just showed me a shirt, actually. Uh, yeah, can I read that shirt? Yeah, okay. Brian. So, Brian. Uh, so Leslie Lee is a huge Marilyn Manson fan. And so when we were driving around and doing the tour with them, like uh, Brian had this playlist going and then he just, Marilyn Manson came on once. Leslie was like, I fucking rock with this. And Brian was like, well, fuck it. We'll just listen to Marilyn Manson. Apparently, which and this happens to us all. It took him down a wormhole. And when he got to the show today, he was like, man, I was I was looking in like you know like the vintage Marilyn Manson shirts, man. I saw this one; it's like two hundred some dollars. But like this shit is fucking shocking to me right now. Like I can't even believe that this was really fucking made. Like I I don't even know if you could do this anymore. So here's what it says. I'm gonna read this off. Uh, warning. But, like kill kill your parents, kill yourself. Yeah, like, here it. it comes. It says warning. The music of Marilyn Manson contains messages that will, and then in big letters, say, kill God. And then it says, in your irresponsible teenage minds, as a message, you could be convinced to. And then in really big words, it says, kill your mom and dad. And it says, and eventually, in an act of hopeless, hopeless rock and roll behavior, you will kill yourself in really big letters. And it says, please burn your records while there's still hope. And, like, that was a shirt he was fucking selling. Yeah. And the thing that, so after listening to big him. Big money. After li I listened to him all day today, and we were listening to him while we were driving, and something occurred to me about Marilyn Manson is that, like, he was talking to teenagers, right? 
but his songs were all pointed at their parents. He was antagonistic yeah. toward teenagers' parents <laughs> in a way that made him fucking rule at the time. Well, he's like was, he's like us, where he's an adult that's like, your parents are all shams. They're fucking lying <laughs> to you. They're not pious at all. Yeah. <laughs> your parents suck. No, <laughs> and like, but he was saying he was also kind of making pretty cool statements and like uh i was thinking about the song the man that you fear and the the chorus to that song is is something like uh he says something you poison all your children to camouflage your scars and i started thinking about how like we all get fucked up from like growing up and then like a lot of boomer type people decided to just fuck their kids up because that's the way they got fucked up you know what i mean like as they were growing up yeah yeah yeah, and I, like, he was saying that, like, that is, like, I mean, of course, like, in the song before that, he says, I went to God just to see, and God was looking at me, <laughs> saw heaven and hell were lies, when I'm God, everyone dies. That's cool thing to say, but it's not, like, as meaningful as something, like, you poison all your children to camouflage your scars. Like, that is fucking a really deep thing to be saying to teenagers. You know, and he was just like, for me, uh, adults were terrified of him. I, I saw him live in 1997 at OzFest 97. I went to see him in concert and then uh, and there were words a bomb threat. Like somebody called in a bomb threat at the venue and there were just all these cops. They didn't evacuate us or anything. They had a bunch of cops like at one side. And nobody really knew what was going on. And then during his set. An airplane was like flying with a banner that says, remember, Jesus loves you and he will forgive you. And then two or three years later, my cousin, who was very young, got into Marilyn Manson and her mom called me because she was 14, 15 years old. My my uh, her mom called me and she said, hey, will you go to a Marilyn Manson concert with my daughter if I pay for it? And I was like, well, of course I'll go. And even in 2004. 2004 we were walking up to that fucking con or maybe it was like 2006 i don't know but we were walking up to that concert and we had to walk through a group of christian protesters handing out pamphlets and stuff like that and it was just really crazy to me that's outrageous yeah i mean that i mean i i i did i mean i i did wish i would have went to something that was that contention i won't like i listened to the albums and i saw a lot of it and it was really outrageous wild but i didn't get to go to the show right well people used to also protest movies back yeah, then. Did, yeah do you remember the movie the siege no it was racist it was a very racist movie about uh yeah Aaron's. it was uh uh it was uh bruce willis and mm -hmm. denzel washington and it was about how uh it was basically a muslim sleeper cell in new york yeah uh, and they yeah. shut down the whole city yeah 1998 they were this movie was made yeah. and people rightly yeah. were out protesting in front of the movie theater and it sort of feels like now that the way pop culture is is that first of all i don't think any parents really even know what's going on because it's all so individualized and it's not really genres or anything like that and like everybody's just kind of listening to everything it's like atomized like my daughter does not yeah like, i like i'm fucking I don't have any kids and I'm 
in my mid thirties, and I don't know what the fuck yeet means. Yeah, my kid you know? listens to like my. All of a sudden, Billie Eilish was like the biggest artist in the world, and she like snuck in there without me knowing. A guy that prides himself on knowing what people are doing. Like I generally, growing up, and this is funny. I was actually having this conversation with my wife last night. But one of the things that I I bonded with Brett about that wasn't like poverty or anything like that was that like we were dudes that were always trying to figure out what was next with pop culture when we were kids. And like, we spent all of our time, like, like uh, we spent all of our time getting as much of it as we could. You know, you, we would sit in front of the TV and just watch MTV all day so that we knew what was happening in movies, music, and TV. And it was sort of like some of the most expensive, some of the most important stuff of our lives. And we had Brett weirdly, Brett has like, a more extensive knowledge. He has the same knowledge as me in my generation, but he's five years younger than me. So I don't know. Like he was just paying attention to shit. And like, it's, there's just, I don't think people pay attention to stuff like that anymore. I just don't, I don't really think that, uh, people take these things as seriously as they used to. And, and I don't think anybody takes music that seriously. I think it was like very, it's actually surprising that at that time, even parents that grew up listening to the Beatles, parents that grew up listening to like David Bowie took Marilyn Manson seriously. And I just well, don't see it happening yeah. ever again. Well, and at this point, I mean, it's all been broken open with the, with the spread of information. And, but back then it was very much still in the dark. I mean, you're talking about a time when you had to call people from a landline to get in contact with them. There was no other way. I mean, the computer, was available but very limited and so people just lived day to day and heard about a guy that was androgynous and was telling them to kill god and not believe in their parents anymore and it's you know there had already yeah, well, been like was... enough like sally jesse raphael and like phil donahue specials about satanists and like the way that people can get manipulated by dark spirits and become a part of cults and shit. Like um, it, it was, it's a matter of, he grabbed the right energy to, to create a, a fucking shit storm. Well, yeah. Number one, like you said, it was pre-internet. And then number two, the, the thing that I remember the people freaking out about, um, like at, at a church meeting, was they were talking about this guy Marilyn Manson? He uh, he had some of his ribs removed yeah. so he could yeah he could do self fellatio. <laughs> yeah, I mean they did a lot of stuff too. I'll say this too: they also it, thought it, he was Paul from the Wonder Years. Yeah, <laughs> man, that was also a rumor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you know the thing about it, uh, you know, I think um, I can if you cut through all of it. I don't think it was a matter of being sensationalist. I do think it was very smart on his part. I think Lady Gaga also did a, has done a similar thing. But at the end of the day, when you listen to the music, it's like some of the best fucking metal music, you know, of the last century. Like, I mean, that's been made, right? Like Marilyn Manson has legendary albums, a lot of them. And uh, so that's really what kept it going. It wasn't just because he was willing to stand up 
on a podium and ripped the Bible in half. It was also because the shit banged. But that shit was also scary. And also, yeah, I mean, remember smoking a joint in Bible paper when I was in high school. We like took a joint, we smoked Bible paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everybody was. There were people that were hung out with me regularly that were legitimately like freaked out about yeah, that. You just fuck with the Bible. Yeah. It's like the American flag now. You just like don't like I don't have any problem with somebody burning the flag, but you if you're gonna burn the flag like in public or on stage, you better be willing to like take the consequences for that, which are going to be steep. They're gonna yeah. be very steep consequences. If you're gonna piss on the American flag, which Fine, do it. I'm real cool with it. But I also like don't yep. want a bunch of veterans threatening to kill me. You know? <laughs> and that was like kind of what he would he like Marilyn Manson being a guy that was like it's it's always fascinating these people that decide to like take that on. You yeah. Know, that are like, I'll take it on. I don't care. I'm brave. I, I'm not brave, but it's just like he was getting rich. He was making money doing it. And he was having fun. And if you listen to his discography, you can tell that he obviously after every album sort of figured out what was tweaking people and then did more of it on yeah. the next album until, you know, people didn't care anymore. I would be interested though. I, I, I would be interested in if somebody else at some point is going to get parents freaked out. There was like a minor uproar last year about Lil Uzi Vert being satanic, but it just went away immediately. Like nobody talked about it because they, they said his name sounds well, like Lil Lucifer. Also, well, Mar- like I, Marilyn- said, I think it was, Mar- I, I think it was Manson. And then it was, and then after that it was Eminem. Yeah. And those were like the last two big moral panics for like white suburbia. Yeah. And then after that, like, I mean, that's the way music is went is that, um, like rock music isn't dominant anymore. You know, um, you know, white artists aren't dominant anymore. That so is now, interesting. Now, now it just gets written off as well. It's you know, it's you know, black music basically. Yeah. You well, know, they have to rap. Be... So this guy's rapping. Yeah. Well, and they also have to be freaked out. I mean, they're freaked out about rap. Like there are so many people freaking out about rap all yeah. the time. But it is like, yeah. But I mean, that's gone all the way back to like, you know. Yeah, it's like, the same shit. Yeah. I mean, the rock you stuff. You know, the, pu- you know, Public Enemy and WA. I mean, like, I mean, rock stuff is just the rock has been completely commodified to the point where, like, you know, uh, and, and I was on the bleeding edge of this, but there was, there was not a place to go buy stuff besides going downtown to weird stores that had like the t-shirts for those bands or had had like ufo pants or had like all of that stuff like you it really took an took effort and now it's just been so gobbled up and it's just a part of things like the way that you look like listening to Marin manson and being goth back then i you know was being called like the f word constantly or being like bullied like that was not the coolest thing and now it is just a look for the gram you know and like it is <laughs> and so it's just th- things have changed dramatically um but i do want to say also marilyn manson genius musician also one of the finest uh contestants on celebrity death match as well oh really <laughs> yeah, yeah one of my faves also uh very good in sons of anarchy <laughs> His character, he was in Sons of Anarchy, which seems like perfect for him. All right. Well, th- thanks, thanks, for, thanks, thanks for calling, buddy. Yeah, appreciate it.